Oh, hello. I was just uh, looking through the rules for uh, dueling. Apparently, uh, apparently, as a Catholic, you're not allowed to duel. But I'm, I'm still looking through. There might be some some way, you know. There's no rule that says that you can't sport touch each other with rapiers. Uh, you know, I was also looking at this, but I don't think you can have a crusade against another Christian. So that's a bit of a thing. But, you know, there's always just war. And, you know, if that fails, I suppose murder, because purgatory. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, um, so Vox on his... Uh, on his live stream 457, I think about 40 minutes in or so, I think one of the bears, one of the bears in their merciful mercy, probably asked uh, asked Vox if he would uh, referee or, or something like that, a debate between Owen and myself on uh, the moon shadow. And Vox said, oh yeah, absolutely would, because that would be funny. Now, you know, I've got a blood feud with Owen, as you all know now. And uh, if I can't duel, you know, because of Catholic law, I'm, I'm going to find a way around it. But, you know, if for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to duel, um, then perhaps a debate on the moon shadow would be the way to go. I uh, just want to point out a couple of things. There's no way anybody can mistake me for a Savagne type. But the challenge is now issued, you know, Owen, challenge is out there now. I know the bears are going to let you know, you know, that the Kurgan has challenged you now. And Vox has said, you know, he'd happily uh, referee it. It's probably a good thing because Vox is pretty fair. And, uh, and also he doesn't have the luxury probably of... Uh, being able to do a dark stream for about 17 hours straight, which is what you and I would end up doing if uh, there wasn't a referee there. So here it is, Big Bear. Here's the challenge. Um, I suggest you check with Vox. If he's up to it, we can do it on one of his dark streams. You have to let me know if I need some weird special software because, you know, being an immortal, I, uh, I don't rely on technology, just my wits and my fast reflexes. So um, hopefully it can just be done with Skype or something like that, I don't know. And if it can be done that way, uh, you know, I just ask that we have equal time. So whatever, Vox can referee and say, right, you get five minutes, you get five minutes. And we can knock through the uh, moon shadow stuff. Um, you can prepare as much as you want. But uh, you know, if you take me up, Man to man, moon shadow debate. I'll be there. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, that's uh, challenge is issued. Now on to other things. This guy, Rodney Stark, is pretty cool dude. He wrote uh, another book which I've got only on Kindle, so I can't show it to you. But it's called Bearing False Witness by Rodney Stark, and it's also got a, a subtitle, which um, demystifies or, or um, takes away the, uh, the lies about the Catholics. So there's a lot of Protestant lies about Catholicism. 
which uh, Mr. Start does a pretty good job of identifying. And the weird thing is he's not Catholic himself. And I just found out from the, the sort of the jacket here that he is a distinguished professor of social sciences, which normally would make me just ignore him completely. But having read Bearing False Witness, I can tell that he's a pretty decent historian. Um, and so I, I got this one here, God's Battalion, the case for the Crusades, um, which is really interesting because at the back, the truth about the Christian Crusades and Muslim Jihad. So I'm hoping that this sheds, um, you know, tells a bit more of the truth about it. So if you want to you know, interesting book. I haven't read it yet, so I, I, I will give a summary if I remember once I'm done with it. Um, the other thing is, again, uh, that Believe seems to be really having an effect on people. Quite a few of you have told me that you bought it and that either you're halfway through reading it or whatever. Quite a lot of praise, which, you know, is nice. Thank you. Um, and But the interesting point about that is that um, I, I did a check. I think I'm, I might have mentioned it. Out of I checked how many of these books have been bought. Twenty-one books bought. At least four converts um, or people that have told me they've got baptized or are going to get baptized or are either going to become Orthodox or Catholic or something like that. At least four. Uh, and these are people that I don't know. I've never met them. You know, I just know them from the comments or a random email they sent me, um, which is good. I mean, it's really nice. That's unexpected. So thanks for that. And uh, there was something else I wanted to mention. I was going to do a separate video on it, but uh, maybe as this is going to be a pretty short one, but um, I might do a, a longer version of this. But I did want to um, mention the, uh, you know, the, the churchanity of the Catholics. And when I say Catholics, it's in inverted commas, you know. I want to, again, demystify a lot of both lies and bad practices of supposedly Catholic people. So one of them is the Mariology, which all the Protestants, pretty much all the Protestants have been completely brainwashed into thinking that Catholics worship Mary. And that's not it. You know, it's uh, that comes from a lack of linguistic understanding of the root of the word prayer. Being Venetian, I know Italian, and, uh, you know, the word pregare, which is the Italian version of the, of the Latin, um, oremus, you know, pregare has got more than one meaning. Most Romantic languages will have a word that has more than one meaning, which is very confusing for English-speaking people because the English-speaking people as you know from my 13 set uh, volume, uh, 13 volume set of the Oxford English Dictionary, they've got a word for just about everything. The Latin people are more uh, perhaps uh, empathic or empathetic, and uh, they might have a little bit more understanding of human sort of intimacy and that sort of thing. So they probably don't need as many words, and a word in Italian or in French or in Spanish can mean several things. And then it gets degraded all the way to the Portuguese who, you know, they basically only have like 10 words in their whole set. But anyway, so pregare, which it, if you literally translate pregare into English, you'd say to pray, 
or you know preghiera prayer you know but pregare can mean both prayer as in worshiping god but it can also mean uh for example when when you do somebody a favor and they say thank you the response is prego so and the russians also have this so in the russians you do something they say spasiba and the correct response is pajaosta you're welcome is how it gets translated but it's not a really the english just don't have a word for this you know being the rude people they are um you know it's like it can be used as prayer to worship god or it can also be used as a polite way of asking for something you know it's like you if you say prego it's a, it's an invitation to step through a door first or something like that if you but you can also pregare towards somebody in, in order to ask them for for something ask them for some help or you know implore them to help you with something and so you know for example the ave maria you know hail mary is a prayer to mary asking her to pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death you know hail mary is hail mary i i know the hail mary in latin so i have to think about it to translate it because i say it in latin but um you know ave maria gratia plena hail mary full of grace dominus tecum god is with you benedictus tu in mulieribus and benedictus fructus ventris tu jesus uh, blessed are you amongst women and blessed the fruit of your womb jesus um santa maria mater dei ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc in ora morte nostra amen um uh, Santa, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. So, again, it's it's a it's asking somebody to pray for you. The same like you would ask your friend, or you know, the thing the Catholics, and the other thing is praying to the saints. Again, idiotic. No, it's the same thing. Catholics don't make a distinction between the dead and the living. You know, if you're Catholic and you die. Who believe you are one of the, you're with the saints you know so you can pray to your dead grandfather uh, which i have done and uh, he has definitely replied you know uh, very clearly um, in ways that actually objectively prove that uh, i was receiving some information that i had no way of knowing and and it's objective I can never prove it to you, but it's objective for me because I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And, you know, I mentioned this to my father and said, listen, you know, I, 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 you know, pray to, to, to granddad. And, and when I say I pray to granddad, I mean that in the English sense, as in I'm asking for his help, his intercession, his asking him to, you know, pray for me, asking him to help me understand right just like you would ask a, a living person if he's your friend it's like you know can you pray for me or like i don't understand why this is like this what do you think you know what do you think about god and and how it works and christianity and whatever and your friend will tell you what he knows right so 
there's no difference. Um, and this is not talking to the spirits. It's not necromancy. It's just an accepted part of Catholicism, you know, that you ask the saints to pray for you. And um, I got some information back and I told my dad, I said, you know, I don't know if I'm losing my fucking mind or if I'm, if granddad is talking to me, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like, sounds really weird because my grandfather, as far as I knew, never, I don't remember him going to church. Um, I don't remember him ever speaking about Christianity. My grandmother did. My grandmother went to church regularly. She went to mass. She, um, she even apparently gave indulgences to have a baby boy, which was my dad. And, you know, it, it happened and she gave, she, she made a promise basically like, Oh, I will give this ring or something. I don't know exactly what it was. If I have a baby boy and sure enough, she had a baby boy. Um, and that was after she had a baby girl. So anyway, the thing is my grandfather was a very, uh, direct, honest, some people say cold-blooded, but it's not cold-blooded. It's, uh, he was totally in control of his emotions for most of his life. Uh, I don't think I've ever, I never saw that man become emotional. Um, you know, a little bit of emotion in, in some strong moments or whatever, you know, and towards the end of his life, um, you know, he was, uh, he knew it was coming and, uh, I think he, he got a little bit uh, softer in terms of, you know, always humble though. The thing is, that's what people didn't understand about him. He was always humble. They all assumed he was an arrogant guy, you know, full of himself. And that's not true at all. He was just calm. He just took things in his stride. He was never arrogant. And I, that was, became very clear to me towards the end of his life. Um, because we used to play checkers. He taught me how to play checkers. And when I was a little kid, you know, I was about five, six, seven years old. He used to give me the whole front row as a handicap so that we would be ma evenly matched. And then as I grew older, you know, as I was a teenager, we used to play uh, pretty much the same, you know. And um, we'd, 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 we'd always play three games and it would end up, usually he'd win one, I'd win one, and we'd, we'd uh, finish off, we'd finish um, on equal terms, you know, like the, there's a way in checkers to, uh, that neither, neither person can win. So we used to, we used to play this game and we, you know, by the time I was a teenager or so, that's usually how the game would go. We were equal, equally matched, you know, it would either be like three games where nobody wins or one game where one wins, one game where the other one wins. And the last game usually would end up in a, in a, in a tie. But the last game I played with him, he was over 90 years old uh, and I was in my uh, late 20s, I think, or, or mid 20s, something like that. And uh, no, maybe I was in my 30s already. And uh, I played a game with him and I won the first one. And I saw that I was going to win the second one and I threw the game. Um, but I don't have a very good poker face. You know, I did my best, um, to like make it an accident. And third game, I made sure we finished even. And we finished the game and we're putting away the pieces. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, next time, instead of letting me win that game, just give me a handicap. 
like I used to do when you were a kid, and it fucking killed me, you know. Uh, people who know me know that I don't have much of a... I used to have a Russian girlfriend once that, uh, as a joke, I can't remember who it was, but I said something like, but Olesia, no, that would, you know, hurt my conscience. And she burst out laughing and said, Giuseppe, I think your conscience died a long time ago. And, you know, I'm not one to get embarrassed or anything like that. I haven't really um, ever felt much shame, really. But in that moment, I wanted to disappear. You know, uh, my grandfather telling me that I was, I felt terrible, you know. So um, anyway, that's, uh, that's a little story about him. And uh, sounds like the monkey's knocking down a wall next door, but all right. Anyway, so what I was, what was, what was I? I lost my train of thought now. I was, um, I can't remember what it was about, something about the Crusades or about, I don't know. Oh, no, that was it. So I, I don't remember him ever, you know, talking about church or faith or God or anything like that. But I kept getting this message from him, which was just like, have faith, you know, the, the Italian equivalent of like, just have faith. And I told my dad and I said, you know, dad, I don't know if I'm just losing my fucking mind, but it, I really think it's him. But it, I've never, you know, he never discussed anything like that. And my dad on the other end of the phone said, no, 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 that's him. That's absolutely him. He used to tell me that when I was a kid, you know, and I, I couldn't understand what the hell he was talking about. I, you know, I didn't, I never got it. I never understood what he was trying to say. You know, that's absolutely him. You know, that, that, so there was a proof there that was helping both my dad and me that I knew nothing about because he never said those words to me, but he said them to his son and his son never said those words to me. You know, my dad never mentioned that. So that's kind of a proof. And, you know, and there was quite a few instances like that. So I'm not going to go through all of them or whatever. And I don't really care whether you believe it or not. But, you know, the thing is Catholics don't pray to saints. We don't worship the saints. We simply, you know, ask for an intercession, the same like you would say of your friend. Or the same you would say of, you know, somebody that, uh, your priest or whatever. That's what it is. So any Protestant that says, oh, you bury worshippers, you're an idiot. You're an actual moron. You do not know what you're talking about. You're speaking out of turn and you're ignorant. You know, you, you've been brainwashed with some lies and you haven't bothered to investigate them for yourself. Similarly, no Catholic prays to the saints, worships the saints. It's not what we do. Now, there are some people in the chat, whatever, that like uh, in, the, in the comments that said, hey, but, uh, you know, I've seen people do what I, you know, I really think is worshipping Mary or worshipping the saints or whatever. That may well be, you know, there's churches in every denomination. And remember that churchanity is the largest fake denomination of Christianity there is in every denomination. And the Catholics have been very hugely deceived since 1958. So, and, and before that too, you know. So, it may well be that there are some pretend Catholics or people who call themselves Catholics or people who think they're Catholic who actually worship the saints or worship Mary. But they're morons, you know. Again, you know, there, there's probably somebody out there that looks just like me who says that he's a pygmy from the Congo. So what? doesn't make him a pygmy from the Congo. There's probably idiots out there that say that as, uh, golf players 
need to use basketballs and, and kick them with their foot. So what? It doesn't mean they're golf players, you know, that they're golfers. No. Just because somebody does a stupid, idiotic thing doesn't make that thing the Catholic thing or the golfing thing or whatever. Educate yourself, you know. Stop just taking people's words for stuff and educate yourself. Which brings me full circle back to the moon shadow. Why do I care about the moon shadow? Why do I care if Big Bear hasn't got a clue about the moon and its shadow? You know, in the big scheme of things and even in the small scheme of things, I don't really... You know, if somebody wants to believe the moon is made of cheese, well, they're wrong. They're kind of dumb and it's on them. But, you know, uh, and somebody in the chat, some woman said something like, oh, you are a Delta, what Vox calls Delta. No, lady, you haven't got a fucking clue. I couldn't really care about the Deltas. They're useful people and that's fine. But, you know, I'm, uh, you know, the, the people that understand the social sexual hierarchy know what I am. And I'm a very reluctant leader, very reluctant. But, you know, if I have to lead, well, then it's going to be my way or the highway and that's it. It's not even going to be like discussed. So, you know, when, uh, when I say that there's, that just because somebody says they're Catholic or whatever, it doesn't mean that they are. And this is the same thing. Just because somebody tells you that the moon is a lamp or something, it, it's important for the young, the impressionable, those who have been lied to all their lives, those who have not had a classical education, those who maybe have been traumatized. It is absolutely fundamental that you have a basis of reality, that you have a basis of truth. Now, if you are incapable of distinguishing between the number two and the number three, you think that's a small thing, but it's not. If you think two equals three or that they're interchangeable, you literally cannot maintain a working functioning society. Because the minute that you cannot distinguish between reality and magic and superstition and voodoo and woo 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 crazy ideas, you've got a problem. Now, keep in mind that I believe I am very firmly rooted in reality, absolutely firmly rooted in, rooted in reality. And for a very long time, I was very much rooted in material reality because that's what I could deal with, you know. I'm only a relatively recent Christian. And it happened to me as a, as a stunning shock. So it was never clear to me that Christianity would, was at all real. And when that became made absolutely clear to me, I had to reevaluate a whole bunch of things. But that doesn't mean I forgot those things. It doesn't mean I forgot those skills. So maths is important. You know, being able to do correct maths is important. It's absolutely important because it is a language of how you can describe a lot of things in the noble universe. Knowing that the planets exist, that the moon orbits the earth, the earth orbits the sun and so on, it's important. It's important because it gives you a foundation on reality. And it is absolutely not contradictory to God's majesty. Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. If you believe that God has to be so small and so stupid that all he could do is one dome-covered flat earth with a lamp in the sky and little pinpricks to pretend to be stars, you're retarded. You have got no idea of the majesty of God. 
God is not one planet. It would astonish me. It would absolutely knock me on my ass much more than discovering that Christianity was real and God is real to discover that there are no other living organisms in the universe. In fact, I believe that that is almost impossible. Okay. God is far bigger, far more great and, and enormous and majestic and glorious than you can possibly imagine. So, no, you know, a vast, almost, but not infinite. We know it's not infinite, but almost infinite, you know, huge, so big for our mind. It may as well be infinite, although it's not. And there's reasons why it's not. Is absolutely uh, glorifying God. You know, so no, and it's important. It's important because again, you know, you can use astronomy to predict all sorts of things years in advance, decades in advance, in fact, centuries in advance. And the Mayans could predict all sorts of things, you know, millennia in advance. That's astronomy. That is a very, very, very strong um, scientific uh, proof that the model is good. Okay, and there are actual things that you can do. I mean, the ancient Greeks did it, so you can do it. You can actually do some work yourself to figure out that the moon is, you know, an object in the sky, that it travels around the earth. You can figure out what the size of the earth by using trigonometry and so on. You might not know how to do that, but you can learn and you can learn trigonometry and trigonometry works. You can test trigonometry to your heart's content here on earth, you know, on the from the small size of your desk to the stars, you know, it really does work and it works every time. So it's not just an idea. Okay. So that's important. Um, and that's why it concerned me insofar as I am concerned about the other human beings around me. You know, Vox said a very interesting, interesting thing that he said until 2015, he was just doing his own thing. And it's only then that he learned that you know, you need other people to do bigger things. And I know exactly how he feels because that is a, a lesson that I am, I probably will always struggle with. Um, you know, there are few people that I, I would work with and, and enjoy it because I'm pretty intense. Uh, I tend to go, you know, all in sort of when I'm doing something. And that's why I never played team sports. You know, Vox is light years ahead of me. He plays football. I mean, that, you know, that's basically like being able to have, you know, a luncheon with a bunch of girls and keep up with the topics. You know, playing soccer is basically the same as having brunch with, with 20 other girls, you know. So um, that's what you get, Vox. That's what you get. You know, when you when you say that, how is Owen to know that I'm not Venetian? What do you mean? You know, I mean, look at this. Look at this profile. Yeah. I mean, if physiognomy is not real, what do we have left? Huh? I mean, come on. This is not British. This is clearly the profile and the features of a handsome, intelligent, tall patrician of Venetian origin the best people on earth, of course. I mean, it's, it's obvious. I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't like it, Vox, you know, if somebody confused you with a Congolese pygmy from Minnesota. No, that, you would get upset, you know. So, um, 
there you go. Um, just making friends and influencing people, you can tell, right? And that's kind of the thing, right? There's very few people that sort of really understand my sense of humor and and even not my sense of humor. Sometimes I'm just telling the truth as I see it and, and discussing what are objective facts. And I do that in a way, probably because of my slight aspergers, that can really get under people's skin within three seconds flat. I mean, <laughs> I have had, even when I was a teenager, I've had teachers burst down in tears, male teachers leave the class, male teachers start to blubber and not be able to speak because they start to stammer and stuff simply because I pointed out and, and I wasn't trying to you know humiliate them or upset them simply because I pointed out a, a massive flaw in their thinking and their teaching and their reasoning and the syllabus they were supposedly teaching us you know so all the gammas that get upset just go away you, you're not gonna survive you know and um I've had all sorts of weird stuff, you know, like happen just because I'm just being myself, not not even sometimes not even saying anything, just walk into a room and some weird feminist loses her shit because I walk in with some pretty blonde or whatever, you know, it's just the way I walk upsets them or something. You know, it's just, it's really funny. But um, anyway, so that's why the moon shadow and, you know, the, the challenge is now out there. Man to man, big bear. So let's see if you take me up on it. Um, and that's uh, basically it, you know, go out there, continue to multiply and take over the earth. Oh, and there was a question one of somebody asked on the, on the, on the, on the comments. What is the name for the followers of the Kurgan? And uh, I mentioned that before. It's the immortals, of course. Now, there's going to be two classes of immortals. You know, the generic immortals that follow me, that, that whatever, that subscribe. They're, they're all cool. That's fine. But keep in mind that I'm really seeking the real immortals. The actual immortals. Like the 300. I've had a couple of emails from some people that, you know, in time may, may end up proving to be the 300. If you don't know who the immortals are, if you don't know who the 300 are, well, probably you're not going to become one of them. So, you know, it's possible. Everything's possible. But um, the 300 changed the history of the world. And I don't really care about the fame. I don't care to be Leonidas. But if you're going to force me to lead, well, then... Among the leaders of men, Leonidas is a pretty good one to, to emulate. Le Valette is another one, my personal hero. The uh, leader of the king, the, the Knights of Malta, when the uh, 1565 siege took place. Uh, Le Valette, Leonidas, those are the kind of leaders that I... Uh, if I have to be a leader, that's the kind of guys I'm going to try and, uh, and be like. And please note that neither of them really was a strategist they were tacticians and very good tacticians and that is my strength you know vox is a brilliant strategist vox strategically is far superior to me we had this conversation when i was living in venice on a phone call once i mentioned that to him and i told him i you know i think you're definitely a better strategist than i am but i think i'm a better tactician than you are by quite a bit and and he said well you know I've never made any claim to be a good tactician. So it's really interesting because he really is a good strategist. And uh, 
sometimes so good that I wonder if I have an IQ gap from him, you know, because and I, I didn't know this. I really thought that Vox and I had the same IQ and it's practically pretty much the same. You know, I scored between 157 and 152. So average it out 155. He says his is 150. But, you know, five points at that level, it's nothing. But the thing is that Vox has admitted to being completely spatially retarded. So, but his strategic thinking, that means that his strategic thinking is, has to be higher, is higher than 155 than 150 or whatever, you know, and I wonder how much higher because sometimes I look at what Vox is doing and I'm like, you know, at first it used to sort of offend my sensibilities because being a tactician, my preferred method of combat or leading or group fighting is a small team that I can rely on 100%. And it doesn't really matter to me whether in that team I'm, you know, a team member or the team leader because the kind of teams that I'm talking about, they're basically almost a mini mass mind, which is you can take out the leader and it makes no difference because every single one of those men can replace the leader. And every one of single those men knows exactly their worth and what they're good at and what they're bad at and what they're best at. And so does everybody else in the group. So there is no infighting. It's just like Bob's the best shooter. So he shoots. If, if there's shooting to be done, Bob does it first. If Bob is dead, then the next guy up comes, you know. If if I'm the best leader of the group, then that's what, I, when I say jump, everybody doesn't even bother to ask how high. They just telepathically jump in the same direction that I want them to. And if somebody takes me out, the next best guy comes in to do that role. So that's the teams that, that I like to, to be involved with if it has to be a group thing. Uh, you know, and they're usually small teams. Now, I've had teams like that. I've led teams like that. I've been involved in teams like that um, in a number of different um, settings from martial arts, from uh, security work, from all sorts of stuff um, that I will probably will never discuss. But that's my preferred methodology of, of going at things. And that's tactics. You know, that's tactical stuff. So sometimes in that, in that milieu, in that environment, your buddy is, you know, the honor between you, the camaraderie, the, um, the loyalty is paramount. There is nothing above that, pretty much. You know, there is God and then there is truth, loyalty to, to your fellow, you know, operative or whatever. Um, and so sometimes Vox will do things that to me, look like absolute sort of um, almost almost selling out you know and I know I'm not accusing Vox of selling out in any way shape or form that would be wrong that would be like somebody calling me British you know and I would never do that Vox has never sold out never will sell out um, which is why I was able to appreciate his way of thinking and his strategy because I know instinctively, you know, because of how I'm built, I can tell when a man is going to be standing next to you right down to his last bullet and then and then some. And that's the kind of guy that Vox is. So that's who he is. I know that. I don't need to explain it. I don't need I, I trust that 100% with my, you know, I feel it. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it might be that way with me specifically, you know, I, I think he probably would if we were in, the, in that sort of situation, but he's also not a stupid guy and neither am I. 
So neither one of us should be that sort of idiotic, like, we're just going to die because we're brave. No, fuck that. We're going to try and live as much as we can. But if it's, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, well, then fuck it. We might as well go out fighting, you know? Um, so he is that kind of guy. But it's only because I know that, that I could then see his long-term strategy and his bigger picture strategy. And I'm pretty good at that stuff. You know, it's not like I'm an idiot in those things. But he's got a way of thinking about it that is far superior to me in the understanding of the human element involved. I hate the human element. You know, my, my Asperger's and my intensity requires the human element to be pretty much an extension of my own hand. And you can get teams like that. And when you do, they're, they're almost unbeatable. And in terms of war or that sort of situation, a small team of 10 men like that, I would rather have that than a unit of a thousand men. I'm not exaggerating. A unit of a thousand men with a, you know, decent leader and relatively well-trained soldiers. I would rather have 10 men that are the way that I'm talking about than a thousand that are a relatively decent military force. Um, I would take those 10 men rather than a thousand of, of a military force. Um, and I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating the numbers. I honestly, that, that is honestly what I, what I would do. So I'm, I'm talking about a one to a hundred. Okay. If it was individual, you know, if it was me against a number, a hundred is a lot, you know, for one person. But the thing is, it's not, it doesn't scale linearly. It scales geometrically. So 10 men of, of a cohesive team, like I'm talking about, are worth are worth more, you know, as the team, they can take on more than one of them. So if you're saying, well, the ratio is one to a hundred, you know, 10 men to a thousand means that one man is to a hundred, but it doesn't work that way. One man is probably not to a hundred. It might be like to like maybe 15 or 20 or something like that, depending on situation and many other factors. But um, the thing is, if you have two men, Two men, one man, doesn't change that much. When you start to have three, four, really four is where it starts to kick in. Four men can now take on a, a lot more than, you know, one man. If the ratio is one to 15 for one man, four men, you'd say, oh, well, they should be able to take up, you know, like 60 guys or whatever. But with four men, you can, you can already run circles around a, a military unit of 100 150, maybe even 200, you know? And when you've got 10, I'm not saying you're going to run circles around the 1,000, but what I'm saying is that you will hold your own. You know, 10 men, like I'm talking about, against 1,000 men, and I can equip them whichever way I want, and, and the military on the other side can, can be equipped whichever way they want. With the possible exception of either we all have satellites and drones, or neither, none of us has, right? So equal footing in that terms, equal footing technologically. I'll take the 10 men every time, especially if you don't have uh, drones and satellites and that sort of stuff. I'll definitely take the 10 men. And I will not only hold the line, but I'll give those thousand guys a worry that m their morale is going gonna, is gonna to affect them to the point where they might just turn tail. So that's the kind of thinking that I have. 
it's very difficult to go from that level of intensity and attention to detail to a huge big picture where essentially especially if you're playing Xanatos Gambit like like Xanatos Gambits like like Vox is good at which means that giant parts of your plan can fail but because you're a strategist you've put the strategy in such a way that regardless pretty much of what happens you're still going to win you're still going to achieve your objective and and Vox is a master at that so you know you have to know your limitations like a very wise man from a movie once said man's gonna know his limitations was it five or six bullets you know the thing is you should always carry one of those eight bullet revolvers just to fuck with the punk so um anyway uh, i think i've sort of said quite a lot of things but the main point of this one you know the i just gone a little bit uh but the main point of this one is there is a blood feud on we have a referee that has volunteered owen so um it's on you now let's see let's see if you respond yeah let's see if you have the audacity to respond after calling me british you know it's just i don't know what is you know it's, it's it's nothing you can say to that you know unforgivable really i mean but you know we'll see we'll see what happens